This episode is not intended to diagnose, treat or cure. If you are concerned about any of the topics in this episode, consult your doctor. Hey, Kia. Hello, Cheryl. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my dear. Ah, oh, it's an exciting year, 2020. It is. This is my year. Is it your year? It's new me. Woo. <laughs> what are you planning on doing for a new you? Oh, not much. Really? <laughs> Pretty much the same, I suppose. <laughs> I've still got some pounds to shed. Yep. Weight-wise, not financial. You're looking really well, though. Thank you. Three and- stone gone. Have you been to the doctors to have a review of your um, your blood test results to no, see if no. everything is better? That will be in May, I think. She did say a year. Okay, then cool. So some of our eagle-eyed listeners might notice that we've got a new name. We have. We decided that um, 2020, new year, new us, new pod name. Yeah. Because we are... Oddly enough, so we're now podly enough. Yes, because we're both oddballs and our podcast can just about, it's <laughs> just enough amount of content <laughs> yep. to be considered a podcast. And we so, are enough. We, we are. are definitely enough, as is everyone else out there. Yeah. Enough. Which kind of brings <laughs> us on nicely yeah. to, we've got some special stuff lined up, haven't we, Keir? Special. We and today we've got a lady called Sam coming in from Sam Mantra, and she is a mindfulness teacher. So yeah, with the new year, a lot of people are, they do do that thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to start a new thing. I'm going to get myself into a better place. So it's apt enough for us to get an actual expert, see whether it can work for us, see whether getting into the new year with a new mindset um, is as achievable as we hope it is, because I've tried to put my mind into a good place for many years, and it's always there's always hurdles, isn't there? It's like bumps in the roads that you can't really yeah. do it. So we're going to try and get some tips, some expert help, and see whether... Uh... See whether or not mindfulness is the way forward. Exactly. We just had a little mindfulness uh, taster session with the lovely Sam from sammantra.com. <laughs> and um, she is with us today here talking about um, New Year, mindfulness and and creating that kind of space, you know, for yourself. Thank you for having me. Um, it's really nice. And yes, you're right. New Year, New Year sort of resolutions and pressures for people. So um, going into the new year, looking at our well-being is really, really important. So we do have questions. We have given them to you. <laughs> yes, quite a few. Ten questions. <laughs> Ten questions. We'll try to get through them as quickly as possible. But okay. as well, if we go on a bit of a tangent, that's fine. So um, so our first question is, what is mindfulness? Okay, so mindfulness is a form of meditation. Yeah, it's a practice that trains our attention to what is happening in the here and now. And by living in this present moment being, we can come to realize that a lot of the modern day stresses uh, and the worries that we have um, is really unnecessary and that we can actually do something to support this suffering. So we seem to live in this busy world. So do you guys know what autopilot is? I'm sure you do. Yeah. 
Well, in the, in the just kind of the way in which our brains just wired to do stuff. Yeah, to, yeah, the busy mode. So we're in this yeah. autopilot mode all the time. You know, it's like when you're driving a car from A to B, and you think, "How did I get there? I don't remember going through those traffic lights." We can be in that that mode for a lot of part of our day. So mindfulness actually looks at how can we come out of autopilot and be more present to support us. So our brains are a bit like monkeys. Have you ever heard of monkey mind? Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> I have, is that is that like the the chimp theory? Yeah, a bit is like that. that. that we yeah. have this this chimpanzee that's constantly fighting us. Yeah. Right. It's like our primeval thing, and then there's like a computer brain as well, isn't there? And yeah, and that's a bit, that's a book that was written. Um, and I, really, I started to yeah, read it. It's really good. <laughs> but in terms of the monkey mind, it's the, it's the way I describe, particularly if I was sort of teaching school children, younger people. So imagine your mind is like this monkey. So and a monkey, you know, jumps from branch to branch. Yeah. And we can have this attitude to our life, spending so much time in our thoughts, going from one thought to another, you know, and worrying and, you know, building up anxieties. So mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness is actually to calm down the monkey mind. Yeah. And it can make a real difference to your life when you feel it with mindfulness and the tools and techniques to feel those stress-filled moments, I suppose. So as far as mindfulness goes then, is what is the difference between meditation and mindfulness and how do they differ yeah that's a really good question because i get that a lot on some of my courses uh, and a lot of people are unclear so as i just said earlier so mindfulness is a form of meditation yeah Mm. and there are many types of meditation practiced in different cultures different groups all around the world like transcendental meditation you know that uses mantras and it comes from a very vedic tradition Whereas mindful meditation comes from sort of Buddhist traditions and it's just been secularized for the West by various practitioners out there. And one I will talk about today is John Kabat-Zinn, who set up the um, mindfulness training courses yeah. that I teach today. But if you look at, back at Buddhist teachings, they use the word um, sati, yeah? And sati actually means skillful awareness. Yeah. So for me to sum up what mindfulness means uh, and what this mindfulness meditation means, it's about awareness, yeah? Awareness of our thoughts, awareness of our body sensations, awareness of our feelings, and just engaging in the here and now and what's around us. So meditations, whatever forms they are, you know, they're all practices and it's a way of finding stillness and calm, I suppose. Yeah, because what I found interesting when we were just doing that little session was the the recognizing of your thoughts were in your brain mm-hmm. and just recognizing that they're there. I mean, when I've done meditation before, it's, it's always almost immediately gone into the okay let's concentrate on the breathing and bring yourself you will have those but bring yourself back to the breathing there's never been kind of like a recognizing of okay your brain is doing all this just recognize that it's there yeah and then let's bring yourself in yeah that was quite interesting yeah so it's the first stage of of awareness really yes and and i suppose and as i said there's different types of meditation whereas mindful meditation is very much can be object focused because you're, you know, you're aware of your surroundings, you're being in the present moment, but you're also aware of your thoughts. So there's yeah. a various, um, very CBT-based element to the mindfulness teaching in the courses I teach. So the course I teach is mindful stress-based reduction. Yeah, and there's various other mindful-based intervention courses out there. And CBT is an element, so that's cognitive-based therapy. So that's how we deal with our thoughts, how we yep. see our thoughts. And that's really quite fundamental to the teaching. I'm going to tell my brother he's got a comfort zone. <laughs> my brother's like proper stressed at the moment. He got burgled over Christmas. <gasps> oh, well, that is and stressful. And he got um, both his cars were... So someone got into the house um, while they were asleep upstairs, nicked all the iPads and all the phones and all that sort of thing that they just... As they were walking through the house trying to find the car keys, 
and then took both cars off the front driveway. So he's like proper stressed and yeah. proper kind of like, the world is against me. The monkey's there. The yeah, moment. the monkey mind's <laughs> there. And you know, I, I spoke yeah. to him yesterday and I was like, okay, you just need to like relax, okay? It's just, it will be fine. Everything mm. will work itself out. Just take some deep breaths and relax. And he's like, Arr! But the thing so, is, you know, we get triggered. So, you know, our bodies are built to protect ourselves. We have these reptilian brains, these prehistoric brains, you know, and that's where, you know, the fight or flight mode comes from, from the amygdala part of our brain. So when we get stressed, this stress response, which you talked about earlier, and we did that calming um, technique, yeah. kicks in. Yeah. And we want to protect ourselves. So, you know, that's why the thoughts can be quite anxious mm. thoughts. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's the way we're built. Human you speak nature. when we were doing the mindfulness stuff you speak mm. a lot about the phases of uh the, all the stages that you're going through when you do it and obviously the more complex side of it the cognitive side of it mm-hmm. um a lot of people who are going to try out mindfulness might come in thinking oh it will be easy i'll do it and then it's yeah. done yeah. so is there a skill that you do you have to perfect mindfulness yeah. as much as you have yeah. to with anything else in terms of your breathing um, and it's not about perfecting, it's about practicing. practicing. It's all down to the practices. So yes, I would say it is a skill. It's a, I'd like to say it's a coping technique, yeah, uh, or a coping strategy to calm down that monkey mind. Yeah. yeah. And so we do use tools in those skills. So breath work and a breath work practice is one of them. But there's loads of other tools that we use from mindful movement, which is like gentle yoga. I do a bit of qigong or tai chi. There's formal meditations like sitting meditations, the body scan, which we could talk about later. There's, you know, these are all part of the tools and skills that you learn on the mindfulness course. And the reason why the courses are eight weeks is because you need to embed the practice. Mm. So you're not going to get a quick fix, you know. Yeah, I think, I think that's thing. such an important thing to talk about when it comes to mindfulness because a lot of people think, or even when you start anything new, there's like weight loss or you want to start a new hobby or whatever, there's always that sort of honeymoon period for the first week and you think, yeah, this is brilliant, I can do this. And then you sort of oh, yeah. go down. So yeah. it's important with mindfulness as well to persist and carry on and you yeah, know. I call it my week four. So when I do an eight-week course, I get to week four and it's like, okay, how are we all feeling, everybody? And it's like, are they doing the practices? You know, are they turning up for the classes? So you do get that lull, but it's lull, but it's worth persevering. Even if you're just doing five, ten minutes a day, it's just going to make a difference to the way you feel. Mm. And it's the long-term practice. There's a teacher called Mark Williams who set up the, which is called Mindful-Based Cognitive Therapy Teaching. And that was set up in Oxford. He's a professor of psychology. He talks about how practice as if your life depends on it because it surely does, you know, and it really can make a difference. If you are suffering from some like anxiety or depression, Mm -hmm. does it make mindfulness kind of harder or I, I don't really is, know is there a I'm different way to, to tackle there... mindfulness if yes you do okay have... so a lot of people look at mindfulness and turn to mindfulness as this way of helping with anxiety and depression and that is yeah. certainly true yeah um and as I just said there Mark Williams set up the course in Oxford for and it was called mindful CBT based therapy and it was set up particularly for people suffering from depression yeah. and recurring depression and the results showed by introducing the mindfulness skills by looking at the CBT CBT based element of the teaching it yeah. certainly allowed people to control or manage their anxiety and there's been lots of neuroscience research around these courses and around mindfulness and that's why you you do see health professionals now talking about go on a mindfulness course you know to support you which is really important and it it doesn't just support anxiety and depression i don't want people to think they come to a course to it's going to fix that it's it's not going to fix it but it's it's a way of treating all sort of health conditions that are stress related 
or yeah. worry related. I think that's why the course I teach is called Mindful Based Stress Reduction. And yeah, the research is all to do with uh, looking at this neuroplasticity in the brain, you know, and how that um, our brain has certain coping mechanisms. And that through um, mindfulness and doing meditation, we can reconnect sort of new pathways in the brain to allow us to fire up more positively. Um, so, yeah. So, so you don't really necessarily have to be someone who is depressed or is anxious to actually do it. You can just do it. Um, yeah, you definitely. Know, if, if you feel my life is generally stress-free, yeah. you can just come along and do it. And then it, it just helps. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's different elements. Everyday things. You know, I teach a public course. So, and I do um, screen people. You know, if people are in a high anxious state and a very low period of depression, I would say don't do an eight-week course now. Yeah? yeah. You know, it's something to do when you have got the time um, and the energy to do it. But if you're just interested in, your, you know, you've got this busy life and you need to slow down and you need some tools and coping tools, then, you know, the course could be right for you. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's the clinical side of mindfulness courses and there's the non-clinical populations. I tend to teach non-clinical populations. So if you were, you know, someone who's suffering from severe depression and you'd gone through the NHS, you can actually do one of the MBCT-based um, courses. For me, I see myself as a mindfulness teacher in training still because it's always an ongoing journey. Yeah. My own personal journey and my own practice, which I have to do as part of my training. I have to go on five-day silent retreats. Um, I have to do, sort of, you know, professional development courses. I have my own supervisor and I have seen it change. Yeah, I've seen the courses develop. So so many more different strains of mindfulness teaching from self-compassion, from mindfulness-based eating, emotional eating courses, mindfulness for life now there's a course. Um, so there's loads. Yeah. How do you find the silent retreat courses? Because I mean- Are they the ones know... where you like take your phone away and you have <laughs> yeah. to like- you And you're not allowed to lock your phone up. And you're anyone. not allowed to speak. Well, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, everyone says that to, to, says that to me. What, what's it like? But it's actually, you know, it's part of my eight-week course. I actually have to do, um, we do in week seven, a silent retreat day. So that's from, say, 10 to 4 um, when you're in a period of silence. But it's guided silence. So as a teacher, you're teaching throughout the day. You're moving in and out of meditations, mindful movement. You're going outside, you know. But it actually is really, out of all the, the weeks and the training, all my um, participants on the course say it's the one thing that's really kind of given them that aha moment or it's made them feel more grounded and they've been able to really embed their practice by having that silent retreat day mm. silence yeah. is actually a skill as well isn't it because it is, we yeah. live in such a noisy world and i can't i can't drive without the radio on <laughs> so i just like that background noise i can't sleep without noise actually oh, yeah, yeah. i think too much silence when i sleep is yeah. i don't like it so i just stick on like a uh a playlist yes. or I'll put on a documentary just quieting it down and then I'll fall asleep much better than because like yes. you say there's so much noise of silence when yes. you can't hear anything all you yeah. have is what's going, going on, on in your, your mind, mind. yeah so. and that's the thing so it's often you find that people will have sleep issues and I do silent and mindfulness sleep um workshops is when they're lying down they shut their eyes that's when the mind kicks off you know um, oh mine big, is just a, time. a complete cacophony of going, <laughs> and I start so when I when I start to go to sleep is that I then start to panic about things. The other day, I started to panic about my daughter carrying the dog down the stairs mm -hmm. and thinking, oh God, what happens if she slips? And mm -hmm. then she'll desperately be trying to hold onto the dog rather than trying to stop herself from falling. And and my brain was like just going on. Yeah, this so it's kind this of kind of, uh, we call it catastrophizing. You go from one thought to another and it's spiraling, yeah. So using that stress response um, that we, we did earlier and just stopping, yeah. yeah. 
and just pausing and going into the breath or the body and actually having awareness of those thoughts can make a huge difference. And that's when you have more control. It's great that you mentioned uh, catastrophizing, actually, because mm. I think that's why a lot of people don't end up doing things that they really love to do because, or they would love to do because mm. they do catastrophize a situation. Say, mm. well, if yeah. I do this, yeah. you know, they say, oh, I want to go and travel the world. But oh, yeah. if I do, then it might, you know, plane well, might crash or I might, yeah. get, you know, so we do catastrophize a lot and it stops us from doing a lot yeah. of things that you yeah. know, we would like to do. You know, fear fear feels, feels quite real for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and this is where the thoughts feel like they're real, but they're not. They're just mental events, you know, they're not real. And But we somehow allow the body or the body protects us to thinking, oh, something bad's going to happen. You know, so these, these 90% of our thoughts are all based on what could happen, you know, or would happen. Yeah, yeah. not what actually happens and what is actually reality in here. With uh, mindfulness and as you're saying, using it as a tool, I was watching a documentary on Netflix and mm -hmm. there was this uh, story about it, the t tortoise and the fox. Oh, yes. Yeah. And the tortoise can't move anywhere. So when the fox comes, um, it just hides in its shell. Right. Um, and then the fox will go away and then it'll come back again and then it'll hide in its shell. And then actually the tortoise decided to come out of its shell and sort of make friends with the fox. Yeah. So instead of hiding all the time, yes. it would just... So it, yeah. in the sense, that's what we should be doing is not seeing our problems as something that we should hide away from but yeah using mindfulness to sort of accept it and deal yes, with it in that's the right a really way. good word acceptance if i think about the battles that we, we we strive to and then how we can then use the mindfulness approach mindfulness really allows us to see things in a different perspective it allows us to be more open yeah and um and this word acceptance and acceptance to life's struggles and life's suffering so there's this fundamental attitude in mindfulness actually there's seven of them <laughs> as part of the course that john kabat's in who's the chap who created the course and acceptance is one of the hardest ones so that's not saying that you have to accept life as it is and these battles and do it passively you know it's actually saying you know um can i be with the unpleasant sensations can i be with the pleasant sensations i think there's an analogy he uses i love it it's cool it's like a headache a headache one so if you have a headache accept that you have a headache yeah but don't give yourself the extra pain and suffering about that headache you know the thoughts about the headache you could oh i won't be able to go to work i won't be able to do all these things related I've got to a brain tumor. Yeah, yeah yeah i've got a brain tumor <laughs> catastrophizing over there from cheryl um yeah so all those things and that makes our suffering so much worse yeah but if we can actually you know turn towards this acceptance and see things as they really are it can actually be quite healing uh, and quite grounding. And I think that's what mindfulness or the mindfulness approach allows us. So this is openness, you know. So um, stick your head out of the, the tortoise shell. You know, we waste so much time and energy resisting what is actually fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what that's is true. true. Um, and it prevents us from doing so much. Um, so do you think that, that mindfulness, it would be... Um something that really should be integrated within our everyday lives, within to the workplace and in schools, that kind of thing. Have you been into schools and been able to actually try and promote it in that way as well? Yeah, definitely. I have gone into schools. It's been a struggle with schools, you know, schools with funding, etc. But I think, you know, I've actually been trained what's called the Mindfulness in Schools Project. And there's a, a curriculum called Dot B, which means stop, breathe. It's like a text message to children. And so there's some wonderful tools and coping strategies um, for kids to use suffering from anxiety and stress, you know, all the exam stress. And it has made a difference. Yeah. Unfortunately, down to funding, you tend to find it in private schools. Um, yeah. Rather 
Southern State Schools. So really, yeah, um, I think if we can start young and learning these tools, it's going to help us in later in life. Even if they learn one skill, a breath technique, like the one we did earlier, they might use it later on in their life when they're struggling. You know, they're yeah. going for a huge challenge if they can remember that. I wish mm. I'd had the skills and mm. learned stuff about my monkey mind, you know, about yeah, more about the body. Every so often I, I like, there's always like a news article that comes out about some school that's taking the kids for five minutes every single form lesson. And, you know, in a school where, say for instance, 90% of the kids are coming from poorer backgrounds and, mm. and they take the kids and they actually get them to sit there and, and do some yeah, do yoga or place. some yeah. breathing or meditation or whatever. And the difference Huge. that it makes... Yeah. It is a shame. There you was know. that, uh, it was in the news, I can't remember, I was just trying to get it out. They're teaching empathy or yes, it's not yeah. part of... Yeah, so compassion. Know, compassion yeah. is a big thing uh, and empathy. And there's uh, one of the, the Buddhist teachings is empathetic joy. But it, it's just, we live in this in this Western world, you know, in this kind of insular, kind of independent society that we don't sort of see outside others too much. So one of the mindfulness teaching is all about self-compassion. So if we can, if we can actually have that kindness towards ourselves, we can be more kindness to others. Um, and I'd love to see some more compassionate best teaching in schools. Yeah. So with your with your teaching, mm-hmm. okay, you obviously teach um, lots of different people. Mm-hmm. Do you teach like a big age range of people? And do you find if you you do, do you find that a different age groups are more susceptible to actually using the mindful technique and getting mm-hmm. the benefit out of it? So do you think like old people find it more beneficial or young people or oh, okay. is it just different yeah. stages of life that Yeah. Um I think I think mindfulness can be for everyone. The way I'm teaching on the public courses, what's so nice about my course, I don't have a certain set age group. You know, I've had someone from 19 year old who's come and just wants to learn what this mindfulness is about, you know, starting out in their life to someone who's in their 70s, who's gone through cancer, who's, you know, um, gone through bouts of depression, etc. And that's that's what's so nice about the teaching different different people from walks of life because they they all come together with the same you know enthusiasm to learn uh, and support their their well-being because actually the majority of people on my courses are women and that might be because I've done mindful parenting courses and obviously I, mothers have the time maybe to come to some of the courses I've done in the day um, and if I look at my evening courses then I get a quite a, a good mix you do. Um, yeah, but more women than, than men. I, but, well, yeah. in, in sorry, in recent uh, mm. times, I think in the last year, a lot of people have been talking about men's mental, mental health. health. Yeah, um, because suicide rates are quite high, aren't very they? Very high. Yeah, and they're not as open as women are. Yeah, yeah, I think you're weakness right. Weakness or whatever. Yeah. I don't want to call it weakness because it's not. It's, no, it's no, life, it's but. not. But maybe that's something to do with it. it's like the male psyche that you know um, they've got to survive. They've got to be you know protect and look after the family etc but I, I mean recent course I've just done I think I had three CEOs on my course that really high-flying you know busy frantic stressful people um, and they were very open to doing the mindful movement the tai chi the breath work uh, and actually they contributed just as equally as some of the women on my course so yeah another thing uh, which is quite important I know many friends who have taken to their GPs um, mm-hmm. to help them with their um, their mental health and yeah. that has led to taking tablets um, which is comes with side effects right mm-hmm. um, when you take anything it is 
I call it intrusive. Yeah. Um, is mindfulness a non-intrusive alternative? Is it the same? Can you think, okay, I'm going to come off on medication to go to mindfulness? Or okay. is it something that's completely different that you would yeah. probably have to... Um, that, that's a quite a difficult one because I think it's it's all very individualistic on you know different approach. I think it's really important, and I, I say this on all my courses, that mindfulness is not a cure for the stress or the busy bug in our life. Um, and it's not going to just cure you of depression, et cetera, or anxiety. Um, but it will allow you to have this steady, more responsive, calmer mind. So for me, it's not therapy. Um, a lot of people might think of it as therapy, but I, I like to think it's more of a holistic approach. Um, as you said, it's you know non-intrusive in, in, in that sense. And it's just a different way of managing life's challenges. So medication, yeah, you know, medication is equally important for a lot of people suffering from depression. And I get people in my courses that are on medication, coming off medication, have done the mindfulness and found they can reduce their medication, particularly people with pain management. So people are on medication to support their pain and they find mindfulness can actually support their pain relief. And actually, the beginnings of mindfulness when it came to this country with John Kabat-Zinn, so he did pain management clinics, and he yeah. used the mindfulness techniques for pain on patients first, and yeah. then it was used for stress. There so. is a very interesting TV program a few months ago. Um, is it Michael Mosley? Is he the yes, yeah, like, the doctor? The BBC? Yeah, yeah. He did. A, he went on a trial, didn't he? Put himself on a mindfulness course. And yeah. um, but mm. the one that I saw is he was doing pain management okay. where he took like 100 people or something and he put 50 of them on placebos and 50 of yeah. them were on actual. And they did lots of different things. Like they they gave some people a proper kind of half an hour consultation mm. with a doctor and then other people only got the 10 mm. minutes and stuff like that. And it was really interesting how they, some of the people who then, got over the back pain that they had it literally was just mind over matter mm -hmm. and it was the belief that I think there was one guy on there who was quite old who was in a wheelchair and who couldn't do anything suddenly he was walking again and he was actually on the placebo as you say these little tools that you need mm -hmm. can change how oh definitely so, so your pain, life is. pain management is a huge thing I had a lady on my course has chronic chronic arthritis yeah, uh, and she's managed to reduce her medication by you know more than half, and it's just amazing how she now. But she practices mindfulness every day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's part of her discipline, and mindfulness allows us to come into our bodies. So this awareness I talked about, so awareness of our thoughts and mind, but also awareness of our bodies and being kind to our bodies, you know. And I think when it comes to pain, and we with the brain triggers to pain. Ow, I don't like that pain. It'll go back and back again to those triggers. So in mindfulness, we're training ourselves to actually turn towards that pain to soften into the pain, to breathe into the pain, whatever techniques we were using to make it more manageable. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's the difference rather than this fighting, this resisting. You've kind of, I mean, you've, you've kind of done this all the way through mm. the chat in any case, but specifically what advice would you give to our listeners for the new year? Oh, goodness. Well, I really do not like resolutions only because I've failed at them so many times. Um, and I think in these challenging times, um, I think it's really important to just... Walk gently, walk slowly, um, one step at a time into the new year, new decade, um, and just have a you know awareness and kindness. Um, if you want to set intentions, that's great. You know, I'm always good at setting intentions because um, they're very different to resolutions. Because with an intention, you don't uh, put any investment in the outcome. You know, okay. I think that's where people fall over when they set resolutions. Um, so no goal setting. You know. Um, 
because it just ends up getting you more stressed. So keep it simple. Um, set yourself maybe a daily intention, not intentions that are going to be for, you know, next week, the week after. Um, and use what we were talking about earlier about engaging our senses. You know, you know, can we use our sense of touch, sight, taste, smell every day to support us? So this is the everyday mindfulness. This is where we can use these resources to support us, like going out walking, preparing eating meals, just really, you know, engaging in those senses um, to sort of calm your mind and maybe just do some very small nourishing activities for yourself every day. So allow yourself that space to pause, to breathe um, and just be much more open and aware um, and that we talked about kindness earlier, didn't we, and compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think in today's world, with everything going on, uh, it's not been the greatest start to the 2020. <laughs> no. Um, but I'm trying to show up by showing myself more kindness, um, you know, treating myself as I would a friend in the hope that we can be more compassionate in this world. If you anyone wants to contact Sam or do any of our classes, over to Sam to tell you how you can do that. Yes, yeah, so I run eight-week courses locally uh, in Isha on Tuesday evenings um, for adults. That's the MBSR, the eight-week mindfulness course, and it has a retreat day within that course. I also run um, one-to-one sessions, couple sessions. Um, if anyone wants to taste a class, I run them locally in Claygate. And I also do top-up classes, um, monthly refresher classes for those people who've been on courses before or have an experience of meditation. So, yeah, all ages welcome. Uh, have you got a website i have got a website samantra.com um and yeah you can look at my book courses on there there's inquiries you can see a lot of information um so and also you can follow me on instagram um facebook so i'm trying to get out there on social media that's it thank you so much thank you all right you you. take care Bye. Bye. bye